0: So we're going right to the word of the Lord here this evening. I, uh, this is our last lesson on nine secrets of healthy relationships. And what a great series it has been that we have been able to study from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. I believe that God expects us to have fruit that he speaks about in Galatians chapter 5. And I know that you do too. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 simply said this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So today, we're going to conclude this series with the last thing that is mentioned there. And temperance simply means this, self-control. I looked at my wife this morning, and we were drinking coffee before she headed off to work. And I said, you know what, I have no business teaching the lesson that is coming tonight. And there are many here more qualified than me because this is one of the toughest things. You know, uh, it's no accident that the this facet of the fruit of the Spirit is listed last. No accident. I, I believe it's intentional. Uh, and I, I believe it's intentional that love was listed first and temperance was li- listed last because all of these Spirit-produced traits have their beginning in love, and they ultimately end with self-control. So we're going to talk about that tonight. It was uh, Billy Graham that made this comment. There are men who can command armies but not command themselves. There are men who by their burning words can sway vast multitudes but who cannot keep silence under provocation or wrong. The highest mark, of nobility is self-control. It is more kingly than regal crown and purple robe. Self-control. Billy Graham was quite a speaker, and he made those remarks, and they're so very, very true. Multitudes of people, multitudes of people have self-control in one area, but they fall apart in another area. And only, in my opinion, can the Holy Ghost Help us in the areas where we have weakness. How many of you in this room will admit, not to the devil, but you'll admit it to God and yourself, that there's weaknesses in your life, that self control is hard to have sometimes? The Greek word uh, translated self control or temperance is a combination of two words. And uh, I, I don't even try to pronounce these Greek words. But I will tell you this, uh, Kratos has been passed on to our English language in words like democratic. That means ruled by the people. Theocratic, ruled by God. And autocratic, ruled by self. A person within Kratos is a person, and this is in your, on your study sheet, ruled from within. Everybody say ruled from within not by our power, but by the power of God in our lives. I'm going to tell you, there's some things that you will never get rule over without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit, and this is the fruit thereof. The sinful nature is part of each of, and every one of us. We've, we've talked about this many, many times, having our sinful nature. It's the, and the, and the only way to control that is to live by the Spirit. You have to walk by the Spirit. You have to talk by the Spirit. You have to live every day by the Spirit. It was Paul in Galatians chapter 5, the same chapter that he talked about the food of the Spirit. Before he talked about that, in verse 16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Now, many people think, that it's easier to yield to your urges and to have your desire than to have your desires under control. And uh, but but when you when you look sometimes at the consequences of your fleshly urges over time, that's a foolish idea, because there's sometimes pain that comes with our fleshly urges and the things that we call the lust of the flesh. Proverbs 25 and 28 said it very well when the wise man said this, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You must rule your own spirit. And everybody said amen. And if you don't, you're like a city, the Bible said that is broken down and you have no walls. Anything, listen to me right now, anything uncontrolled can harm you and it can harm your relationship with God and it can harm your relationship with your fellow man. Anybody believe that? So, so let's talk about some things that, that sometimes are uncontrolled. Uncontrolled anger. Here's what the Bible said, Ephesians 4:26. Be ye angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil, uncontrolled anger. You cannot allow yourself to have uncontrolled anger in your life because it will deal you much misery. What about uncontrolled lust? Proverbs 6:26 says this. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. The Bible speaks of uncontrolled lust, lust that a man lets get away or a woman lets get away, and and it causes you great pain and great sorrow in the long run. Oh, now this is real. Uncontrolled spending. Shall we stop right there and have prayer? Proverbs 21:20. 20. I'm just going to give you a few things we're talking about today where you need temperance. Uncontrolled spending. Proverbs 21:20 20 said, there is, a, there is treasure to be desired, and all in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. A foolish man spendeth it up. Amen. He's going to see Mimi. Uncontrolled drinking. Why is it so quiet? Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, and they that go to seek mixed wine. The Bible says that about uncontrolled drinking. Well, let me tell you what uncontrolled drinking or what controlled drinking is. It's no drinking. I'm going to pause right here for a commercial that's not in my notes. We don't social drink here. One drop, as far as I'm concerned, of alcohol is wrong. You don't have Bible for that, preacher. Bible said a little wine for the stomach's sake. We can get a debate about that. But I've never met one alcoholic that didn't stop, start with just one drink. I've never met one man that his family was tore up and, and, and his life was a mess. And he, he went from up here to down here because of his drinking, uncontrolled drinking that got him in trouble. It all started small. I'm just talking about. There's some things that we 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 better stay away from, and uh, I can say that because I don't drink. I hadn't drank. I won't drink. If I'm gonna spend my money. It ain't gonna be on something that's gonna make me not know where I'm at. Amen. You must have been there, Dennis. Uncontrolled ambition. Here's what Timothy, Paul said to Timothy 6 and 9, 1 Timothy 6 and 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition, uncontrolled ambition. Look, I want to have a good job and I want you to have a good job and we all need to drive a good car. We want to live in good houses. We want to eat good food. We want the nice things of life, nothing wrong with ambition. Let me tell you when ambition gets wrong, it's when it becomes more important than your salvation. It's when it becomes more important than church, more important than the things of God. Your uncontrolled ambition will cause you great misery if you're not careful. That's good stuff, and it don't cost you a dime extra. Here's another one, and we talked a little bit about it. What about an uncontrolled tongue? James 3, 5, and 6. Even so the tongue is a little member, boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth! And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. And uncontrolled tongue, now, let me tell you, I've seen a lot of uncontrolled tongues in my time i uh I, you you know this, I don't have to tell you this i have I have tickets to to, to lSU, and uh, let me tell you that where I sit it, 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 it there's there's a couple of people that could teach sailors how to cuss, and so brother Robert Martin, who was here preaching for us a few weeks ago, wanted my tickets last weekend. So I, we let him have my tickets for a fee. And uh, I texted him the other day. I said, well, did uh, did you feel like he was in an apostolic church? And I was picking at him about the people that sat around him. But to make a long story short, he said, well, there's some folks there that could could learn some new words, English words. Brother, when I tell you the uncontrolled tongue, but it's not just in a ball game. It's on your job. It's in the mall. It's on the television. It's everywhere you go. There's a lot of, it's in the church. Hello. There's some folks that just can't keep, some folks are like the, the lady my daddy used to tell about and he he said there's a woman went to a preacher and she got all the conviction. She said, Pastor, I just like to lay my tongue on the altar. He said, hey, honey, there's ten foot of altar. Do the best you can. Now my daddy used to tell that all the time, didn't he, Mom? There's ten foot of altar, you you know I'm not saying that about anybody in this congregation. Surely not. But there is such a thing as an uncontrolled tongue. And we're talking tonight about self-control. So are you controlling your anger? Are you controlling your lust? Are you controlling your spending? Are you are you controlling your ambition? Are you controlling your tongue? These are things that, that we as human beings deal with every day. That's why I told my wife this morning, I, you know, are you, are you controlling your, your eating? Are you controlling your Bible reading? Are you controlling your prayer life? Are, I'm talking about well, the things that you have the ability control, to control, but we always we don't do that all the time. So I'm preaching to every one of us tonight. God baptizes us with temperance in our life that we may, have, we may have self-control in everything that we do in our life. I need it, and I'm telling you that. And you need it, and I'm telling you that we got to have it. Can you say amen? There, there's a growing body of scientific evidence. I read this today, uh, along with medical studies that confirm that those who attend church regularly and consistent with their faith are better off physically and mentally. Now, that's that's studies they're doing, you know, scientific studies. And and though he. Though he is not a professing Christian, Harvard professor Herbert Benson admits that humans are engineered for religious faith, wired for God. Our genetic blueprint has made believing in an infinite absolute part of our nature. In other words, if you go to church and you have faith in God and you got any relationship with God at all, you're better off physically and you're better off mentally and you have a better chance of a better life and I agree to that 100%. I heard a preacher say, if living for God was all it was in this world and there was no eternity, I'd still live for God because it's the best life you could ever live. Does anybody agree to that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So considering the follow, consider the following, okay? A study of the factors that contribute to healthy or contribute, excuse me, to healthy families found that 84% of strong families identified religion as an important contributor to their strength. That's, that's not in the Pentecostal church. That's in America. Eighty-four percent of strong families. Eighty-four percent. Alcohol abuse is the highest among those with no religious commitment. Alcohol abuse. One study found that 89% of alcoholics lost interest in religion during their early years. That's why it's important to bring your kids to church. That's why it's important to have your teenagers in the house of God. Come on now. Here's here's something. Numerous studies have found an inverse correlation between religious commitment and drug abuse. Among young people, the importance of religion is the single best predictor of, of, of substance abuse patterns. Joseph Califano, head of Columbia University Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse said this, every individual I have met who successfully came off drugs or alcohol has given religion as the key to their rehabilitation. Thank God for the church. Thank God you can have some control in your life with the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost in your life. We are living in a loose living, self-centered world. And I'm here to tell you right now, people have no temperance. Wow. I, I, I like these statistics, so I'm going to read some more. Several studies have found that high levels of religious commitment correlate with low levels of depression and stress. One Gallup poll Respondents with strong religious commitments were twice as likely to describe themselves as very happy, very happy. One professor of of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School said, Christians are far less likely to experience mental disorders than their secular counterparts. Why? Because the one essential feature of all types of depression is a feeling of hopelessness, and Christians are never without hope. That's not Pentecostal preachers saying that. That's professors in universities that sometimes believe and often teach there's not even a God. I heard a guy speaking today about the condition of our world and where we are. I'll say just a couple things about this. You know and I know Israel's at war. You know that in our own nation, we got people that are protesting Israel in the streets and saying Hamas is right for killing innocent people. And he said, let me tell you what's wrong. It's because our educational system started when they were kids and they brought them up believing in things beside what Israel is and what God is, and they're teaching them the adverse things that we ought to be teaching them. And it didn't start today or yesterday or last week or last month. It started many years ago. Our universities are corrupt with people who don't teach godly things and righteousness to a nation. Our our system is all messed up. And so, therefore, we got people in our own country. You know what I wish they They'd do I wish they'd load them all up on a boat tonight and send them back over there? Oh, I'm gonna preach a little more about it Sunday. You better be here. But the facts are, we, we Christians are not without hope. The world's in trouble. People who don't attend church are, are four times more likely to commit suicide, four times more likely than those who frequently attend. Lack of church attendance correlates strongly with suicide rates and other factors. Let me tell you right now, it's it, you You need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And to get it, you got to have the Holy Ghost in your life. And when you get the Spirit of God working inside you, it produces things outside you. It produces things in your mind. It produces things in your heart that no other entity or college or university or thought process or psychology can do. It is what God puts in you through the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to shout amen. Here's a study. Heart surgery patients with strong religious beliefs are much more likely to survive surgery. That's a a fact. That's a fact. Elderly men and women who attend worship services are less depressed and physically more healthy than their peers with no religious faith. I'm not saying these things. These are things that have been studied. So one study found that church attendance predicted marital satisfaction better than other single variables. Church attendance. Hmm the national marriage project project undertaken by rutgers university found that living together before marriage, increases the risk of breaking up after marriage. It also reported that cohabiting women are twice as likely as married women to to be physically abused and are three times as likely to be depressed. I'm going to just tell you it pays to be in the church. I'm going to tell you it pays to have God on your side. I'm here to tell you that self-control is not a good idea. It is God's idea. Did you hear me? Self-control is not a good ideal. It's God's ideal. He said it's a fruit that ought to come in your life because you have the Spirit and you're walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. The Spirit of God ought to produce temperance in our lives. I'm preaching to me. I preach better when I preach to me. Amen. Self-control, this is on your sheet of paper. Self-control is not self-improvement. It's not self-improvement. That's just current fad. You, you can buy self-improvement books. You can listen to self-improvement teachers. You can, you, you know, now, I, I, man, it's a new day. Now we got people, that all they do is just coach people how to live. Coaches. Coaches. I don't need a coach to tell me when to eat and how to eat and where to go and how to have fun and when to go to church and when to go to sleep and when to get up. I, don't come in here coaching me. I got the Bible to coach me. Life coach. You ever heard of that? Life coaches. Life. Who needs a life coach? I'll be your life coach. I'll whip you like I do my kids. Get yourself in there and get ready for church. Get up to this table. We're about to eat. My Lord, you don't need a coach for that. Self-control is not self-improvement. It is not an attempt to make things better for a Christian, but rather our expression of appreciation to God for his great salvation, his power, and his spirit in our life, and God expects it out of every child of God. Here's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. According as his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Watch this. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, everybody say by these, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know how you better yourself? You, you become more like him you get through you get through the power of the spirit the divine nature of god the bible said you are partakers of the divine nature of god we used to sing a song and we probably need to sing it again to be like jesus to be like jesus on earth i long to be like him when you get like jesus you'll have self control you'll not just have self control you'll have ever fruit that's listed in galatians chapter 5 22 and 23 you know why? Because that's what it's all about. When you get him, you get it all. There's two principles from the Word of God that will help us to understand the practice of self-control too. And here's, here's this is a blank on your paper. Feelings can be ignored. Everybody say that with me. Feelings can be ignored. Now, emotions can, they they, they add to the spice of life. I'm not going to deny that. Many people depend on their feelings to determine what kind of day they're going to have. Amen? The, to To become more self control, we have to rule our feelings. I'm not getting up every day and reading my horoscope to tell you what day I'm on. I don't even read the horoscope. And if you do, you need to get out of that. Hallelujah. See, society constantly bombards us with the idea of, of following our feelings. You know, have you ever heard this terminology, if it feels good, do it? Well, that's not a good thought. Because there's some things that may feel good. And I'm telling you, they control us in everything from sex to spending money advertisers aim at your emotions convincing you that you need something to make you happy this will make you happy this might fall into your emotional well-being and you might feel good but what you always have to look at is the end results because you you might have the credit to go out and buy a new car but you you may have buyer remorse about 30 days from now when the payment comes due. (laughs) Amen? There's been a few times I wish I could take her on back up there and put her on the lot. You too. People fall in and out of love. They have good days, they have bad days. They decide to work or goof off because they just can't get into it emotionally. Studies consistently show that people expect to feel or how people expect to feel it, it has something the way they do feel if you get up saying man this is going to be a terrible day it's going to be a terrible day I, and I've told you about this many times many years ago long time ago 50 years ago as a matter of fact i i i I went to an insurance school and I I became an insurance salesman I I uh, I went to work, and they sent me to a little two-week school over in Dallas, and I had never seen anything or to beat it. I mean, they got us up every morning, about five thirty, six o'clock, and you had to stand in front of the mirror. This is no lie, I'm telling you the truth. And you had to smile, and you had to sing. I feel healthy, happy, and terrific every morning. It's the way we started our day. They made you do that. Why? Because they felt like if you... Decided you're gonna have a good day, you you're gonna have a good day. W. Clement Stone wrote a book, The Success System that Never The Success System That Never Fails. He offered 100000 dollars to anybody that would try his system and it failed. He would give them a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think he ever gave the money away. But but the the bo- bottom line is this the the emotions are controlled by by us, by how we say we're gonna you know what? If you say, well, this is going to be a terrible day, just get ready. It's going to be a terrible day. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Amen? We will have improper feelings from time to time that urge us to do things physically and mentally and spiritually that harm us. So we can't fall into that trap. Temptation finds your feelings. And you can't live by feelings. this is where you go. we must win the battle against sin and the behavior the behavior that can push our lives completely out of control. because let me tell you, your flesh will tell you to do some stuff that is not good for your spiritual man. Titus 2:11 said this, "For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. Everybody say soberly. Say righteously. Say godly in this present world. That's the, way, that's the way the Lord wants us to live, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's what will keep you in the right path and keep you with self-control in your life. God's Spirit helps us to say no. You know, the big deal with drugs and you've seen it, I've seen it in schools, I've seen it on bumper stickers, I've seen it different places, just say no. You know, they're teaching our kids, just say no. Sometimes you have to say no, I don't do that. I, 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 I'm I not going there. I, I You've got to exercise some self-control in your, in your Christian walk with God. There's some things you have to say no to. Do you agree with me? It doesn't matter if your best friend does it or your family does it. It doesn't matter if somebody that you thought was next to God does it. Sometimes you just have to say no. See, the fruit of the spirit is hidden deep inside of us as Christians and it's it's unseen. It's it's like it's it's, it's like soup on a tray that a waitress is taking or a waiter's taking to the table, you, you've seen these waiters, man, they scare me to death, they got a tray full of food, I was at a place the other night, and uh, and, and, a, and a gal come by, man, she had so much food on that tray, and she almost bumped into a guy, and I thought, oh, goodness, but let me tell you something, no one knows what's inside until the waiter's bumped, you can't see over in there, but when the waiter's bumped, people know what's inside, because it'll go everywhere. And that's the way we are sometimes when we get bumped. We have uncontrolled anger. We have uncontrolled a lot of stuff. Amen? So, So if the Lord is living in us, it doesn't matter if it's in an instant or it takes three hours or it's a day or a week. We can maintain our spirit. If God is living in us. Now if you're here tonight and you're saying that, well, nothing's ever got out of control with me. I doubt your honesty. Because every one of us are human. And sometimes it, it may be a thought process. It may be an action. It may be something that I don't name. But let me just tell you, we have the ability to lose our self-control. And the only thing that will help keep us in check I saw something so funny the other day on the internet. It's a guy that said, he he said, I don't he was a comedian, but he said, I don't know if you know it. He said, but there are part-time Christians. And he said, I happened to call Sister So and so. And she answered the phone and said, Hello. And when I said this is so-and-so, she No, she, he didn't get a chance. She went off and she said, how did you get my number? And she, she said some bad words and she jumped all over him. And he said, well, this is brother so-and-so from the church. He said, that's what you say when, you, when you're real religious, you know, the church. That's what he said. And he said, boy, you, you never heard such. Oh, praise the Lord, brother. I stopped at an Exxon station in Jonesville, Louisiana one day many years ago, and, and, and there was a guy that was there, and he, it was back when they serviced your car. We don't have much of that anymore, but they checked the oil and checked the tires and all the good stuff, you know. I stopped in, and, uh, and, and there there's a little old guy there. He started checking everything, and uh, he was he was cussing every other breath, and he didn't know who I was. And uh, finally something was said, and I said, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm pastor out here at Sandy Lake Pentecostal. Oh, praise God, Pastor. He said, I do a little preaching myself every once in a while. Well, he got a hold of it. Took him a while. Took him a while. Here's, here's something else. Here's something else will help you understand and practice self-control. Ditches can be avoided ditches put that on your in your paper ditches like a road ditch ditches can be avoided see i got to hurry personal freedom is like a highway with a ditch on each side you do know that theologians would say it this way on one side there's legalism on the other side there's licentiousness the rest of us would say law and loose living some folks would say conservatives and liberals. Ditches on each side. While the licentiousness celebrates freedom to the point of bondage, legalism restricts freedom to the point of bondage. You can get messed up. That's why you've got to stay in, in the middle of the road. The ditches are on each side of a highway for a purpose. Amen. Self control is the line running right up the center of the highway, and it's balanced between the two extremes. Here's what self control means, and this is in your sheet of paper. Write this down. I say no to all that God forbids, I say yes to all that God commands, I say no to all that is a hindrance, even when it is not forbidden. And I say yes to all that is a blessing even when it is not commanded. So you got four blanks there, no, yes, no, yes. Galatians, I'm going to dwell here for a minute. Galatians 5.13 said this, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Everybody glad you're free by the power of God. You've been set free. You cannot use your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. That's not what it's about. 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us several principles to help us make decisions in the questionable areas of our life. I want you to hear me right now. And I've I've told many people this. You know, the Bible nowhere says don't smoke cigarettes. Don't say that. The Bible nowhere says don't shoot up with drugs. The Bible nowhere says, uh, I'm just trying to think of off-the-wall stuff here, but, but what, you're, what I'm trying to tell you is there's some things that the Bible doesn't address in word, but it does in principle. Amen? Amen. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, and I've used this scripture many times. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Now, I dare you to go look up that word, and you go run that reference, and you check that scripture out. He said there's some things, basically, this is what he's saying, and I'm putting it in our own English language. There's some things that I can do because they're not a sin, but there's some things that I won't do because they're not good for me. He said, "All things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I won't let anything cause me to have an addiction." That's what Paul's saying. He said, "I won't be brought under the power of anything. I I, I can do some things because they're they're lawful, but if they if they get power over me, they're unlawful. Why?" Or, let, let me ask you this, will they make a stumbling block to someone or a stepping stone to someone? Paul also said in 1 Corinthians eight and 9, "But take heed lest any man or excuse me, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Will it build or will it tear down? First Corinthians 10:23 said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. In other words, they don't make me a better man or a better child of God. Here's what I'm telling you. We have to use self-control in things that will cause us to be less of a Christian. We, I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I don't want to just barely get inside the gate, Brother James, and him slam the doors and it hit me on the heel. Now, I, I, it's probably not going to happen that way, but I'm just, my, my point is this. You, you, you do things because it is conducive to Christian living. We, there's some things that we do because it's the right thing to do. And there's some things that we do so the world will not think we've gone crazy. Amen. They're not going to listen to you talk in tongues, but they'll watch how you live. They're not going to listen to you give a Bible study, but they'll watch how you walk out every day. And they'll determine in their mind, because your liberty can't become a stumbling block. I heard a preacher preach years ago, and uh, uh, use the scripture. Whatever you do, do it unto yourself, and do it unto the Lord. And and that's all well and good. He said. He said, but but let, but let me ask you something. Why do you think they make bathroom doors? Because there's some things you just don't want everybody seeing. Hello. Now that don't mean you go do it in secret. That just means that you got to be careful. What you do in public and in the open as a liberty, that it becomes a stumbling block to people around you. First Corinthians 10 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I realize that in a lot of these things that we're talking about, Paul is talking about the the, the law and the things that he was delivered from and the church is delivered from. But also, I believe it's a principle that's found in the Word of God. You have to live your liberty in Christ, and, and, and look, We've said this. I've said this since I started teaching these these lessons. Everything that is wrong for me may not be wrong for David Bowling. It May not be wrong for Tony Gallup. It may not be wrong for David Leach. It it all has to do with us as individuals. But we have commitments that we make to God, and so we do th- there's some things that are that are wrong for everybody, and they're listed. As a matter of fact, if you want to do a real study, go back in the Book of Galatians, chapter five, before he ever talked the fruit of the spirit and read what he said was the works of the flesh. Because the works of the flesh are sin. Am I helping anybody here tonight? So so will, will what I'm doing help win the lost or will it turn them away? Paul said in ten thirty-three of First Corinthians, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many that they might be saved. In one place Paul said, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You gotta you gotta live your liberty in Christ, but you gotta live it with a conscience, and you gotta live it knowing that you're reaching for people. You can't please everybody. Quit that. You can't please everybody. You'll never please everybody. I can't please everybody. You can't please everybody. Well, I get a few rights and one or two amens, but that's the truth. So, the way we use our personal freedom shows if we truly have the Holy Ghost living on the inside. The works of the flesh, let me read them to you, are manifest. Which are adultery and fornication and uncleanliness and lasciviousness and idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and emulations and wrath and strife, seditions and heresies envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before as I have told you in the time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You want to know what will keep you out of heaven? Galatians 5, 19-21 will tell you. That will keep you out of heaven. Amen? Not a doubt. Everything listed right there is wrong for every one of us. Everything in this building, it's wrong. But when you get to things that are lawful but sometimes aren't expedient, you have to use temperance to know when to and when not to. Does that make sense? You have to use self-control because if you don't lose, use self-control. You can offend your brother and you may try. I told somebody the other day. We, we've lost more people out of the church over some of our ignorance. I'm just being honest. You, you like me, not like me. I'm on a downhill stretch. But I'm just telling you right now, we've lost a lot of people out of the church because we were ignorant. We just nail things on them. We skin them before they ever got in the boat. Hallelujah. But this is the way today's society basically lives by the the works of the flesh and the only only way to escape, escape that sin and the punishment is to have the fruit of the spirit to be full of the holy ghost. I'm hurrying to a close now. Walk in the spirit Paul said. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. What does that mean? That don't mean you have to talk in tongues 24 hours a day. That means you got to get up every day and you got to determine, I'm going to live for God today. I'm going to walk in the Spirit today. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but it's not always easy to walk in the Spirit. It takes self-control for me to pray. It takes self-control for me to study the Word of God. It takes self-control for me to keep my tongue intact sometime. Amen? See, the reason, the reason I'm saying these things is because I've lived long enough and watched people long enough. Some people are so judgmental about every little thing, every little thing somebody does, you know. Bless God, it's, it's going to send them to hell. We need to get off that kick. The, the God that I serve is a God of love, and he's not a God of judgment. He, he will someday be a God of judgment, but we're going to be judged not by what you think and what I think, but by the Word of God. We're going to be judged by the Word of God. When we stand before him, the books are going to be open, and it's going to be, let me tell you what the books are. It's 66 books that are made up called the Bible. And that's, he's not going to judge us out of out of the Constitution of America. He's not going to judge judge out of, out of the out of some preamble he's not going to judge us out of something we learned in a secular school somewhere he's going to judge us by the word of God it's how we walked every day how we talk every day how we treat our neighbor every day how we fulfill the the, the spirit and the the walk of God in the spirit every day you're you're not going to be judged by something that he didn't give you he's going to give you the path of righteousness and he has done that And that's why in this study, we are talking about healthy relationships. When you talk about a healthy relationship, we're not just talking about you and God. We're talking about you and her or you and him or you and them. You have to have that relationship this way and that way, and it's got to be healthy or it's not of God. Amen. Amen. So I, I, I quickly come to a close the 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 last fruit notice I didn't say fruits because if you got temperance you got love if you got love you got joy you got joy you got peace you got peace you got kindness we spent ten weeks right here why because this is what it's going to take to be saved you got to get full of the Holy Ghost you can't do it on your own you can't be spiritual on your own you can't make spiritual things happen in your life on your own. It comes in prayer. It comes in consecration. It comes in dedication to God. You can't do it by yourself. You do not ever, and I'm going to say this, and I've said it a million times, you can't get good to get God, but you got to get God to get good. Is that, 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 is that all right with everybody? You can't get good enough to get God. The only way you get God is through repentance, through giving your heart to God, Him filling you with the baptism of His Spirit. I'm going to tell you what we need, I need. I can't answer for you, but I need a baptism day after day of the power and the presence of God in my life. Because when I get that, I get everything that goes with that. Because the fruit is the byproduct of the real thing amen it'll make me walk right talk right smile love people put my arms around those that hate me give good answers it'll it'll just make me make me better let let me let me let me go back to that scripture and let me run through it in in one last two minute drill here love is the bottom line if you can't love all the rest of it isn't all in void Did you hear me? If you don't love, love is the basis of everything you do in the church, everything you do toward God. You love God and you love people. That's why the first commandment and the second commandment went like this, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Everything about the church is predicated on love. And with love comes joy. And with joy comes peace. And with peace comes long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness that we talked about last week. Not weakness, but meekness, humility, and last of all, temperance. That means you're living a life of self-control. And when you get there, you have fulfilled the law of God. Shall we stand? Now, i have give you everything I know to give you with the fruit of the Spirit. And if you, if you live by that, you'll go to heaven. If you don't live by that, I don't want to see you where you're going. Amen? It's just that simple. So walk every day, get up every day with prayer, with commitment, with consecration, with love, and say, God, I want to be a better Christian today. I, want to be a, I don't want to be the same guy. I told the Lord just this day, this very day. Lord, I want to be better than what I've been. I want to do better than what I've done. I want to to get deeper than where I've been. Amen? I want God to direct the course of my life so that when I stand before him, I can hear these words. Well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. And let me tell you about God. He's never told a lie. And if you hadn't done well, he won't lie on that day you got to do well for him to say, well done. And I intend to do well. How about you? Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, fill us again and again and again and again and again and again with the Holy Ghost. Baptize us, Lord. Baptize us with your Spirit. Give us determination like we've never had. Forgive us for our wrongdoing. Help us to walk after the Spirit every day. Don't let us fulfill the lust of the flesh not another time. Lord, I pray that you would baptize everything in this building today with fresh fire and fresh anointing and fresh touch of the Holy Ghost that we may be the children of God and we may do the work of God. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. Ushers are coming quickly to receive your offering tonight. I trust you will give tonight because the Lord has blessed you. He's blessed you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for being at the house of the Lord tonight. I, uh, I'm i looking forward. Go right ahead, guys. Go right ahead. I'm looking forward to Sunday. I'll be preaching here on Sunday. The Lord is going to do great things for us. I was so moved and so so thankful for the move of God that was in this place last Sunday morning. People praying, weeping, seeking God. That's what it's all about, folks. Amen. It's not about me. It's not about Brother Chase. It's not about Brother Jason. It's not about any other preacher. It's all about him. Amen. What we get done for God is what's going to matter. Brother Greg, I'm glad to see you tonight. I love you, my friend. Appreciate you much. And uh, Brother Greg, is a, he's still my boy. Amen. He still loves me, and I love him, and he's he's got a work going, and he's reaching people that I probably would never reach. But I love you, Brother Greg. Thank you for coming on Wednesday night. Do it more often. I love you all. God bless you. Shake hands with your neighbor and bless them.